The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Hello, I'm Miles Jupp. Thanks very much indeed for downloading The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Festival podcast. Uh, I've just stepped off stage. We have had a, a fantastic recording today. We were joined by four puffs and a piano. Uh, Phil Nickel sang for us and did some jokes. John Gordillo, a very charming guest. Uh, an extraordinary interview with Jack Whitehall and uh, more comedy from Hardeep Sinkoli and the Idiots of Ants. Hello and welcome to The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Uh, we're going to start today with a performance from a previous winner of the If Comedy Award, performing an extract from his show, A Deadpan Poet Sings Quiet Songs Quietly, Phil Nickel! <laughs> Only last night I played the National Association for Bikers with Deafness and they'd never heard of me, so it was me. I'd like to dedicate today's spot to my father, may he rest in peace. He's not dead, he's very tired. My father's just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. He's very shaken by it. And um, we, uh, the disease causes him to sleep a lot, but we don't wake him. He's shaken, not stirred. He... As an escapologist, my father really had to struggle to make a living. Um, so, similarly, my cross-eyed brother, the carpenter, found it hard to make ends meet. Um, my father said repeatedly, Bobby, 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 repeatedly. A lot of people say I'm egocentric, but enough about them. Can I tell you about myself? When I recently found out I was an epileptic, I nearly had a fit. And I've just recently invested all my money into a brand new state-of-the-arts Irish technologies company. Oh, did you know? I think too often today we've got to be very careful we say. I know you're all Guardian readers and you know better than I. Large groups out there can be offended by what you say. Muslims, women, you know, so um, I've, uh, I've written this song to redress the balance. Well, I was riding on the tube and this chick was being rude. She got up in my face with her chavvy attitude. And as the doors were opening and I got up to leave, I called her a loser. She said, you can't say that to me because I'm a gay black 30-something, one-legged blind German midget pole dancer with a tumor. And I said, oh, sorry. Standing in the shop and this jerk will jump the queue I tapped him on the shoulder and said, what you think you're doing? He laughed and he sneered and for everyone to see I called him a twat, he said, you can't say that to me Cause I'm a deaf, bi, Asian, teenager, albino Hindu dance instructor with a lisp And I said, oh, sorry Walking down the road and I come into this crossing So munchkin in a car thought that I was only Dawson And when I went to cross he didn't stop and nearly hit me I called him a prick, he said you can't say that to me cause I'm a mute And I said Pardon? Oh, that's the problem with the world today. You gotta be so careful about everything you say. I should keep my mouth shut, it's the safest bet. If I've offended you already, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. I got home really late, and my girlfriend, she was griping. And I was so annoyed, I couldn't take any more sniping. She flew into a rage and threw a slipper at me. She called me an asshole, I said, You can't say that to me. Cause I'm a short cross eyed braces wearing pimply ginger virgin spineless mental. Chab with the lamp, yeah. Cause I'm a web fingered, bald Italian Chinese Muslim with alopecia and really bad breath. I'm a lonely single father with a pin in his hip. And 
a single Scottish poet who's too old for BBC Three. I'm stupid, I'm bad, and I'm ugly. And she said, Phil Nichols. On every night at the stand at 9 p.m. Uh, my next guest is a cuddly Glaswegian Sikh who likes to cook. Uh, please welcome Hardeep Singh Kohli. <laughs> Hardeep, hello. How are you? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, having, a, having, having a good Edinburgh? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, what, what, what have you been up to? Just my show, 7 o'clock, Gilded Balloon. Oh yeah, really what's it called? Shift. Just come along, I cook stuff, it's an hour, it's great. <laughs> Alright, next question. Um... <laughs> Do does your <laughs> uh, are you uh, does your show feature you cooking on stage? Yes, I just said that a moment ago. Miles, you really need to pay attention, son. Right. Uh, now, the way the cooking works, do you who provides, for instance, the meats? Well, about, is that the is that the best? You, no. Do what I sense that you're annoyed about <laughs> no, something? No, I love you, Miles. I do. Um, what happens is I thought it because I'm not like you. I don't know if anyone's seen Miles. He's a, you've seen him today. I, don't, I think it takes a lot of confidence to get up on stage with nothing but a microphone and try and be funny. And I wasn't confident that I could do that, so I thought I'd hide behind a cooker. <laughs> and uh, I would suggest that the audience uh, coming every night bring ingredients. So, for example, if you were coming, you'd probably bring, I don't know, smoked venison, given your background. And I would... Um, <laughs> and balsamic vinegar. And I would somehow <laughs> try and craft a meal together, because um, I know the delicacy of your palate. Um, and so, yeah, the audience brings stuff, and it's been great. I mean, somebody brought a coconut the other night. <coughs> somebody brought an entire bag of messages, and I should sp- explain for non-Scots, messages as you're shopping. So I got, um, yeah, so it's great fun. And then I cook stuff on the spot and tell stories. Are you on in, you're in, on in the same venue as the Chippendales, aren't you? I, it's actually quite bizarre, because the thing people don't know, and I, because I've never performed at the festival before, I sort of, I don't like a lot of Scots. I, I've avoided Edinburgh during the festival, because it just it doesn't feel like my country or it, it, it feels sort of slightly alien sometimes and I didn't quite kind of and because I'm from Glasgow as well Edinburgh never really felt like home to me but I absolutely love the city I've kind of matured and got rid of that kind of a childish uh, younger sibling kind of rivalry that Glasgow I mean you know Edinburgh's got the castle and we've got everything else and I think that's <laughs> <laughs> come on Edinburgh person challenging me to a fight it'd be like I don't know Scotland playing Norway at football um <laughs> Uh, so it, you know, it's been um, yeah, it's just it's just been a, a really um, a really beautiful experience of kind of having it's about a kind of act. No one can really quite describe what they're called. Euro trash, who kind of do I, do I really don't know what it is. It's like a, a sensory experience. Immediately before me, these Swedish lads, we've got like kind of topiard body hair and uh, a, a, a kind of a one-piece jumpsuits that roll around on stage all night with graphics plays and 3D specs in the audience and then I'm followed by the Chippendales. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm a slightly fat boy from Glasgow doing stuff with chicken. You know, it's... Um, that, but that is the absolute beauty of the Edinburgh Festival. And then, of course, you know, marvellous shows like yours. Obviously not yours, just like yours. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of shows like mine. Um, it's very, but none have got five stars. Did you not get five stars? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, take any notice of those things. I uh, did I? Yes. I, I put the last two on in crayon. <laughs> 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 you 
you did get five stars, didn't you? You did get five stars. I'm genuinely not aware of it, if I... You did, you did get five stars. I might stars. have got a total of five. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> Across six reviews, which is rather worrying. Simple maths. Uh, you're big into your, into your cookery, obviously. You, you came second, I'm right in saying, in the very popular television programme Celebrity Masterchef. Yes, uh, beaten by an English scrum half. <laughs> so, yeah. Again. An English scrum... Uh, who, who was that? Matt Dawson. Let's give him some more publicity because, you know, he needs it. Um... <laughs> No, it was, you know, listen, t- frankly, to, to, to be in the programme at all was an amazing experience, and I learned so much about cooking, and um, it was lovely. You know, I didn't mind being beaten by such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Three, four years on, I bump into people, and they kind of say, oh, you were robbed, and I say, thanks. They go, no, 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 you're flat. It's actually somebody's been in. Everything is gone. You were robbed. Uh, not talking about MasterChef at all. No, I love cooking. I absolutely love cooking. And um, I'd love for you to come along, Mars, because you and I have um, been friends for some years now, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've never broken bread. No, no, it's a happy friendship. There's no... no. <laughs> Clearly somebody told that baby a yeah. story that we can't... We're not going to talk about. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's a, nice. A few years ago, Hardy very kindly gave me a lift. No, no, I don't want to talk about it. We've okay. moved on from that. We really <laughs> no, have. No, no, because that's, that, people wonder where the hell it's going. I got into a car with Hardy, and something regrettable happened. Uh, but you're right, we're out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, the harmless whimsy of Hardeep Singh Kohli. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a chat now with a man who wowed all the critics last year with this show, Divide and Conger. He's back every night at the Pleasance. His show this year is called Fuckonomics. Please welcome John Godillo. John, uh, good, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. I, I did my first... This is the first night that I ever went to bed at six o'clock and then woke up to do something. So it's my first proper Edinburgh morning. Oh, you, you were up until six? Yes. Six. Oh, right. You look remarkably well on it. Thank you very much. I feel fucked. <laughs> what what uh, what were you doing until six? Uh, o'clock in the we morning? were playing poker, probably in the the least the but the, the least macho environment possible. Uh, it was myself and four or five other comics: uh, Lucy Porter, Dan Atkinson, Tom Rigglesworth, Lloyd Langford. Lloyd Langford. I mean, the very name alone is not really the name of a poker player. It's like a <laughs> it's like a closet gay twenties movie star. You don't really want. <laughs> and who else was on? And someone else was playing, but I can't remember who it was. Well, it sounds. No, Richard wasn't there. Go on. Was it, why was it, why was it a, an unmacho environment? There um, was just... No, we, we it, all tried it was to, a Turkish we, bath. We all, uh, <laughs> no, we were at Dan's flat, and um, we, we all tried to act tougher than we were, but we didn't, and, and, and they all lost to me in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Is you a hardy? You're a poker man. Yeah, I, I play with Lucy. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. She seems to know all about it. I, I, she knew all the terms and everything. Yeah, it it's was. a beautiful, beautiful game. Mm. What's, what's a good starting hand for you? I feel confident playing with I don't know. Well, I'll just, I'll just play with whatever's in my hand, more or less, which is why Great. I lost Do you want to come round? In half an hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent, an excellent motto for life. Uh, now, uh, John, last year, your show, it was, uh, it was very much about your relationship uh, with... <laughs> Your relationship with your father? Yes. Uh, did, did he get round to seeing your show? He did, and he was, and he was great about it, because uh, he never quite saw the end. There was a scene at the end where he, where he kind of, in the show, he kind of broke down, and I sort of said things that I knew he would disagree with. But, uh, and, and, and I did the shows in Spain, weirdly, but was never able to get to that final bit. So he's seen everything except the part that would truly offend him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been fantastic about it. It was great. Uh, when you, so you so did it was the show... It hard on him at times. It was hard on him? Well, it, it was hard on him. You know, he, he, get, he gets taken over the coals a bit. 
Do, do you put words into his mouth that aren't, that aren't his? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because you've got to give him better jokes. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Just give him better lines. But the spirit of him, that was definitely the spirit of him, and still uh, is. How, how did you come to be performing these shows in Spain? Uh, just there's a gig, there's a couple of gigs out there in Barcelona, which might be the best comedy gig in the world, uh, and Madrid. And they just, you know, every now and then you get to perform for expat British audiences and that kind of thing, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love expats? Um, <laughs> Marvel, have, you, have you ever been? To the, have you done those gigs in Singapore ever? No, I, but I did work in Thailand. Uh, I did. There's some shows in Hong Kong, and there's a little tour that you do. And I found that that, that was that that was a fa- um, in January. I went to Thailand to do these shows, and 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 I learnt something about my adaptability because obviously Thailand is just la la land. It's just full of you know white men who go out there and live this just bizarre dream with women who wouldn't look twice at them in real life. <laughs> but you become accustomed to it. And after about four days, uh, you, you, you stop noticing to the point where I think four days in, I saw a white English male walking around with a white woman about the same age as him. And I thought, that's disgusting. That's <laughs> Does that woman not realize he only wants her for her mind? I mean, that's so, but you genuinely become accustomed to the thing, you know, that is the, the, the odd, weird, perverse thing. And does your, does your father feature in your show this year? Uh, very, very briefly, only at the beginning. And it, he launches something, but no, not really. He launches something? Well, he launches an idea of the show, which is sort of one of the key ideas in my life at the moment. He basically... He's, my dad's big thing is... Because uh, dad, my dad's, you know, he's all about biology and he's all about... Uh, and and he'll, he'll use as an argument stopper, which he's used with me many, many times. He'll just say, shut up, no, shut up, shut up, because you come from my balls and you can't <laughs> win against... <laughs> I thought they were only meant to say that to you around the age of 14. No, 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 I had that from, I've you. had that from seven till now. He just keeps saying that. And, and so it's one of the reasons why... you should actually alert the social <laughs> services. That's <laughs> wrong. Does he, does he leave it to you just as an answer phone message? That's a, <laughs> Hello, John, it's your father again, just to remind you. <laughs> my father doesn't even vaguely speak that way. And if he did, my God. I would probably be like this. It would be the difference. One of the reasons I'm like this, I think, is to, to not be like my dad, who was just this kind of crazy, intemperate nutcase. Right. Well, how charming. Um. <laughs> what the show is, it's weird, because what I think the show is is not necessarily what everybody thinks it is. But, OK, what it is, it's about a guy, and it's about the frustrations that happen when you're locked into a captive relationship, which are most relationships, whether you're living on top of people or whatever it is. And... But instead of dealing with my own inadequacies in that situation or looking at how I might, you know, be able to be a better person or conquer the things that are driving me up the wall, um, I start theorising and I start sort of building castles in the air, which everyone seems to think are quite logical castles. But, my, but I think it's about a guy who's going mad. But the sto- <laughs> I, and so this guy theorises, and I think it's true, that we live in a sexual economy, which we do. I mean, we do, but it's a mad way of looking at the world. But effectively, with people come terms and conditions, there's taxation, there's small print, there are contracts that you get engaged into. And I basically <clears throat> theorise a whole economy, which I call a foconomy. It, that's, it's all based around sex, that just this simple act of sex has these enormous consequences. And it's true, like, if you genuinely want to get into the analogies, the economic analogies, of course, are everywhere in relationships. And, and so I basically build a whole parallel foconomy. 
in, that works in the same way as our economy and it exists. But of course, it's just me trying to dignify my own petty grievances by kind of going, oh yeah, well, we're all fucked, aren't we? And no, we're not, I'm fucked. What's wrong with me? I mean, and I'm pushing that out onto the world. And for me, that's the joke of it. But everyone kind of goes, no, 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 there really is a sexual economy. And that seems to make a great deal of sense to, to most people who listen. I want to hear your riff on quantitative easing. Oh, I don't, no, 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 I couldn't even get that far in. I've got a thing about hyperinflation, which I wake up to every morning. But, uh, <laughs> which worries me, because obviously those are the conditions that created National Socialism, and I don't, you know, I don't really want that to... Draw a little moustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. John Godillo! Next up, we've got everybody's favourite purveyors of poovery, stars of the Jonathan Ross Show and BBC One, performing an extract from their show, Smoke and Mirables. Please welcome Four Puffs and a Piano! Ah, right. Well, um, we're going to sing you a lovely romantic ballad. So if you're here with your beloved, you might want to snuggle up a bit. And if you're here on your own, have a look round. We'll give you a couple of minutes. It's one or two. We wouldn't turn down our dark now. I've already chosen. Hello, boys. Uh, we refer to this as our third date song. Well, my father says you're nifty. And you've heard of Baudelaire. And we both agree that human rights abuses are unfair. You understand your feelings and you're not afraid to share. And I think I could do something with your hair. You smell nice. And you're groovy. And we both like foreign movies. My mother says you have that touch of class. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I can see a shining future where, where we'll dialogue and nurture. But there's one last thing I feel I need to ask. Do you take it up the ass? Do you take it up the ass? Cause you're beautiful and curvy But unless you're kinda pervy There's no way you and me are gonna last Do you take it up the ass? Do you take it up the ass? When it comes to brains you've got them But unless you play the bottom I'm afraid I'm gonna have to take a pass Adorable, reliable, but is your anus pliable? That's the information that we need. Well, you would do it if you loved me. If you're nervous, squat above me. <laughs> You'll be able to control the depth and speed. Do you take it? Up the ass. Do you take it up the ass? Ooh. Do you take it up the ass? <laughs> 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 that is the rudest thing I've ever heard! They're on every night at the Pleasant Courtyard. Four puffs and a piano! <laughs> now, yesterday we were terrified by the youthfulness of both Daniel Schloss and Kevin Bridges. Uh, well, today's youth and glamour, no offence, 
chaps, uh, comes from another young man destined for greatness. He's got his own show on Channel 4 called TNT. He's devilishly dishy, and he's about to join us for a chat. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Whitehall! Jack, hello. Daniel Schloss, 18. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. Because <laughs> now I'm old. What, what age are you? 21. Yeah, that is. Because yeah. they, they said that was my unique selling point, but I'm going to lose that what with the linear nature of time. I can't hold on to it. So I'm going to need another selling point. I'm going to black up. <laughs> I know comedians of 26 or 27 who are absolutely paranoid about being past it, and they always quote you as being the reason they're paranoid. It's fucking insane. Do you think sort of comedy... Comedy's sort of becoming like women's tennis, isn't it? You sort of get to the age, age of 22, well, that's absolutely it. My knees have gone. I haven't written a joke for four years. Um, uh, now, uh, Jack, your, your show, it's on every night at the Pleasance, it's called Nearly Rebellious. Yeah. Are you, some, you, so are you a person that verges on rebellious? Uh, yeah, I, I try to be rebellious, but I'm not very good at it. And that's, that's, ba- that's the sh- you don't have to see it now, that's it. Oh, that's right. The show. Uh, it's about me trying to be rebellious. <laughs> And, uh, and failing. Who, who are you trying to rebel against? Um, well, that's kind of like the twist at the end, uh, is that it's, uh, it's not you know, anything bigger than just trying to rebel against my dad. So similar themes to John's amazing show last year. That sounds like I ripped it off, which I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I it and thought it was really funny, and I thought, I can apply that to my life. <laughs> you can have my dad if you want. Mine's pretty mental as well. Is he? What's what's up with him? Where he's just like kind of he's not you know he just he's quite weird. Like you can't. With you know you said with the balls thing, he my dad just you don't understand it. Like the other day I was just in my bed minding my business in the morning and he walked in and he didn't even say good morning. He just stared at me (laughs) for about a minute and then he just went Mandelson's back and walked out. He just lives in his own little world. Is that how most news is delivered to you? Yeah. He, do, he genuinely walks in with a copy of The Telegraph every morning and just reads out. So I've, genu- I've brought a girl back once to my and I'd never do it again because we were lying in there and he walked in and it's like, no girl has ever said, look, could you just stop having sex with me and tell me what Simon Heffer's views are on the Euro? <laughs> <laughs> That's, he'll come in with it. No intros. In he comes. Mad. Now this is uh, this is your uh, your first year doing a, a full run at the fringe, is that right? Yeah, I, I came up like uh, four years ago and was doing a sketch show. How old were you then? Uh, mm, uh, seventeen. Seventeen, seventeen, so young. You must have been so young. Seventeen, goodness yep. me. <laughs> seventeen, yep. oh, man. What are you now? All smooth and, uh, and smiling, and now. No, you seem you're smooth and smiling. You're quite a bit of a beard. Bit of a beard. I'm getting a bit of beard envy actually with you because yours is quite sculpted. And this, I mean, I get that. I, there was a guy in my, uh, the front row of my uh, show the other night who had a brilliant beard, and it just really pissed me off, and I kind of hated him. And then I was very rude to him throughout the show, and I, at the end I had to apologise, and I said, it's just because you've got a better beard than me. And, uh, so he'll never come and see me again. And now you, what, do, you, do you have a reason behind you growing a beard? Is it to make you look... It can't be to make you look older. You don't want that at all. You want to look... I don't know. I just wanted to look a bit, you know, harder. I think our beards do make us look pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just look at these people. They are yeah. quaking. Uh, it's like they're watching the So Solid crew. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you... Uh, 
Have you managed to get along and see uh, see any other shows? No, I really want to see John's show. But yep. it, like, I'm gonna have to basically just end my show early one night and just just li- just leave the you know the audience will have, not have the last ten minutes of the show, so I can run over and see John's. John's so, the reason I got into comedy. <laughs> he is. Really? I was, yeah, when I was 16, I on uh, Sky, Sky Plus, I had two uh, uh, recordings of 10-minute sets of John's, and they were the funniest things I've ever seen. That's why I started doing it. That's amazing. I'm about to cry. Jack is, Jack is the only, uh, only stalker I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. I send him my pants. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's, that's really, really touching, isn't mm. it? I mean, mm. God, isn't, was we're it, was holding it? hands. Because they, they just hear it, don't they? Yeah, People. yeah. We're all holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all wearing a pair of Jack's pants that we'd previously been sent through the post. Um, now, you're, you're having a very big... Extraordinary thing to say. Um, <laughs> You're, you're having a very busy fringe run at the moment, because you? you're you're also doing a, a TV programme at the same time. What, what's that? Uh, it's called uh, uh, the uh, TNT show. The it's TNT show. Four, so, yeah, I do that like once a, once a week, go down and do that, and then come straight back up. Uh, Channel 4, that's the one you can't watch on Apple Max, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Or Sober. <laughs> <laughs> So you've also got a new show coming out on uh, on MTV, uh, a new show on MTV. You like MTV, I'm John? Not on, uh, now I'm not on MTV. Is that really not the second person that said this? I, why I do people think you're on MTV? Is it because you look know. like you do look like you're on MTV? Yeah, I, I've never done anything on MTV. I'll take it if you've got a show. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, do you know what? I'm constantly trying to dream up formats that uh, <laughs> that MTV will take. Um, but. Uh, I, I have had the most remarkable misfortune. People, people just don't seem to like trains. Um, you know, uh, I, I had this great idea for a show. There wasn't a lot of music in it, but it was basically me interviewing my favourite cricketers about the best and most exciting train journey they'd ever been on in their life. And all they said was, well, where would the advert breaks go? I mean, they were missing, they were missing the whole point. Uh, <laughs> Uh, have you? <laughs> uh, are you doing some sort of show uh, that's about uh, testing um, the British public's honesty? Uh, I did. Well, yeah, like that was just like a, it was a one-off thing, um, what, what which basically means it didn't get commissioned. Oh, uh, right. And yeah, it's on E4, I think. I don't know when. They probably don't watch it. They watch it. Lordy. Now, um, obviously, you, you do want people to come along and see your, your show. Uh, I'd love them to. And, you're, and are you having a good time doing that? Yeah, it's really fun. Although the first um, night I was there, about half an hour in, a woman in the front row just got up and walked out. And I was like, oh, this is my, my first ever show. And I'm, you know, offended when they walked out. And, but then I came out the venue afterwards and I was a bit annoyed. And I walked down and she literally ran across the courtyard to me and she was like, don't worry, I was just doing a poo. <laughs> And it was literally the nicest time anyone's ever yeah. come up and said that they've just done a poo and it's made me feel happy. Yeah. It, is, it is one of the most soothing things you can say to someone. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> Jack Whitehall, uh, thank you so much indeed for coming yeah, thank you. onto the Guardian podcast. He's performing nightly at the Pleasance Courtyard. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Whitehall! <laughs> Thanks to everyone who's joined me today. Four puffs and a piano, Phil Nickel, John Gordillo, Hardeep Singh Curley and Jack Whitehall. <laughs> Our final guests today are going to perform a short sketch for us. They too are performing at the Pleasance Courtyard every night at 8.15. Please welcome the Idiots of Ants! And in conclusion, gentlemen, love 
can build a bridge. No, it can't. Are you sure? Yes, you cannot construct a bridge out of love. Two words, structural integrity. What you're going to need is metal. Hundreds of tons of metal. I just think you're seriously overestimating the power of love. Really, you see, we were told in order to build a bridge, all you need is love. That was a lie. Yeah. Right. right. Um, um, what about the other project? Okay. The shack. Yes, it's very simple, just a little old place. Where we can get together. I and suppose you, you want to make this out of love, too. A love shack. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, won't, it won't work. Right. Right. Um, an elevator. Love? In an elevator? <laughs> we live on the 15th floor. Love lifts us up where we belong. No, no. What you're going to need is rope. Ooh, do you know that he built a roller coaster of love? What? Was that successful? Well, no. Uh, we actually made the cars and the tracks out of steel. It was only the safety harnesses we made out of love. When it went upside down, everybody fell out. And whose fault was that? It must have been love, but it's over now. <laughs> Does this mean we're going to have to scrap our plans for the deep sea love submarine? I'm not sure I'll ask them. Gentlemen, in your experience, how deep is your love able to go? Look, you're not listening. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Love is a many splendid thing. Oh, okay, gentlemen, I think I know what's happened here. You think that we've got a shipment of tainted love. Not a chance. No, nothing more, nothing less. Our love is the best. And remember, guys, with our share options, you give a little love and it all comes back to you. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> guys, look, I can really feel this working. I feel it in my fingers. <laughs> I feel it in my toes. We got this love from the former USSR. I came back from Russia. <laughs> And you know, at the start, there were aspects of love that I didn't like. But gentlemen, when you use it, love changes everything. Are you ready? Are you ready for love? Look, we have been stung before, and this love, love will tear us apart. Again. You could use bricks. They're a real dead ringer for love. We will pay you. I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me into this ridiculous building proposition. Yeah. I mean, what's love got to do, got to do, with it? it, it what's it? I can't think of the word, Raymond, we're leaving. Well, I'm not giving up. You see, I'm addicted to this crazy old thing called love and building things out of love, actually. <laughs> yes, well done, love actually. Yeah. You know, I would do anything for love. Say that again? I would do anything, anything for, for love. That's a song by Meatloaf. <laughs> oh, yeah! Isn't that weird how that can happen in a conversation? <laughs> the Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow with, amongst others, Andrew Maxwell and the two big winners from last year, Sarah Millican and David O'Doherty. I'm off to play the new Ashes game for the Xbox.